I, you know, I didn't want to do another trail until I touched Katahdin. As soon as I touched that sign, I was like, all right, I'm going to do another trail. I mean, it was something that, you know, people ask you all the way like, oh, what's next? And I'm like, nothing. I'm going home to my dog. And then as soon as I summoned at Katahdin, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go do the PCT. <laughs> and it was nothing, it was something I, I never considered it until then. Um, and so when I, when Cricket finished and he came home, um, I gave him a couple weeks and then I was like, so PCT 2018? <laughs> and he was like, I reckon. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Peanut, known off trail as Melanie Harsha. She was introduced to the Appalachian Trail by her mother, who has section hiked it for years. In 2016, she felt ready to take on a full through hike, and there began the education of Peanut. From hiking with a dog to stress fractures and 20 plus pound base weight, it's been an evolution from that first hike to the PCT in 2018 and attempting the Wind River High Route in 2019. In this episode, we talk about that evolution, what a pre-trail night at Scout and Frodo's is like, seen her first rattlesnake outside of a church, and her trail-inspired tattoo. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Peanut. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. It's good to be here. So excited to have you with me here today. Yeah, it's great. I'm uh, I'm excited to to talk with you, and um, every episode that I've listened to has just been so great. I think you're you're doing a great job. Thank you. I w- just wish I could be doing a great job from the trail this year. Yeah, I know it's um it's. It's tough. It's uh, but I, I will say I do applaud you on on your decision to not go. That's that's the right decision, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it it seemed to make the most sense for me. I mean, I know other people are making other choices, but yeah, for me, it just it seemed to make be the right choice. So yeah, so there's it's not going anywhere, and there's always next year, or um, you know, possibility of, of a southbound maybe. What next year or this year? You mean? This this year, I already thought about the southbound, and I'm my body's not ready for that, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I know how much more difficult coming through Washington is than coming up through the desert is. <laughs> totally. So yeah. yeah. So I'm kind of like, because I I seriously thought about it for a moment, and then I was like, you know what? Let's just be honest and, and real with ourselves. And particularly this year with so few people on the trail. Yeah. It's like, you know what? <laughs> Let's be smart totally. for once in our lives. Yeah. And I like I totally get that. It's like, you know, it's the obviously the numbers are, are not looking great. And I also think that it's like it's a super it's a hard decision. And I think that it's it's respectful to the trail and the trail community and, and all of the um, the organizations that have that have asked kind of through hikers to step back this year. So, you know, hopefully it'll be a chance for the trail to kind of regrow and get ready for next year's hikers. 
I know. I, I do have to wonder what kind of wildness will be out there next year. Yeah, I wonder that too. I I don't know if it'll it'll be overcrowded. I mean, I know that's already an issue, but I think yeah. I don't know if people who weren't able to go this year are going to be on it next year. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that I feel like things just have to fall into place, and if you force it, then then it might unravel. Very true. Very true. The I know that I mean, obviously, the PCT has a permit system. The CDT. I don't know if they have some sort of permit system, but what about the AT? Is that just kind of show up and, and they allocate their permits or are they actually monitoring and, and reducing number of people on trail if necessary? Do you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So the ATC um, highly encourages hikers to register. It's super easy to do. Um, you just go on their website um, and then, of course, going through certain state parks, uh, the Shenandoah, at least when I went through it, um, you were also strongly encouraged. And because I had a dog with me, um, you also had to, like, let them know that you were going to do that. She ended up not doing that part with me. But um, and then, of course, when you get to Baxter State Park at the end where Katahdin is, you do have to register. Um, but that's just the last couple of miles. So, yeah, you do have to register. So um, that, like, as far as this year goes, technically anybody who's gone up uh, up until the last couple of weeks has done it um, illegally. So, yeah, um, Baxter is, like, probably the most intense part of the AT as far as, mm-hmm. like, permits go. But they do it because it is, like, it is a very popular, like, tourist attraction. And um, I, I'm pretty sure starting in 2017, they got more intense with their permits. I think, like, people were freaking out a little bit because they were only letting, like, X amount of hikers go. Um, but that number ended up being fine and well over the amount that people summited um, that year in 2017. So, yeah, I think Baxter just has to be a little bit more careful because I think people underestimate Katahdin and underestimate mm-hmm. that mountain. And it's, it's definitely... Uh, you know, the East Coast doesn't have uh, crazy mountains like the like the West Coast or the Rockies or anything, but um, Katahdin is uh, is quite a mountain. Yeah, so. and and having heard so many of your guys' stories about Katahdin and about the storm systems on Katahdin and the weather patterns and the wind, even if you don't get other weather, I yeah, you know, you got to respect it. Totally, yeah, and. I've I've been lucky enough to to go up twice, and I went up when I summited Katahdin during my AT through hike in 2016. It was really really bad weather, um, but we had the mountain to ourselves, so that was like really special. Um, and then when we were going down, we got like I don't know maybe a two minute break in the crowd the clouds to to get a view. Um, <laughs> and then the following year, I actually summited again uh, with my mom, and it was it was so clear, and we had to wait like thirty minutes in line to get on top of the sign. So totally different summits um, for sure. And and because it was so beautiful on my second summit, um, like I mean, it was so crowded. And I think it's a huge thing for people who live in Maine to go summit the mountain. I can see that. Yeah. It's a pinnacle, so to speak. Yeah, and it, it is beautiful. I mean, it's 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 a wonderful way to end a through hike, for sure. Yeah. I, I could see how it would be difficult if you had to flip-flop around or you had to do something and, and you didn't have that moment. Yeah, I think that I've, I've often wondered about that, like just ending at – you know, I, I appreciate and the people who make it work no matter what. And I've had friends who have just had to summit at like or uh, finish at a road crossing. And I'm like, 
hey, you did it. It might not be, uh, you know, at a at a beautiful spot, but you still did it. And yeah, it, it is what it is. Let's talk about hiking with a dog. Yeah. That was just the AT, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, I felt as though the PCT, we did talk about um, bringing her on the PCT, um, like having my parents bring her out there, um, NorCal and on, but it, I found it like cruel for the the lower half. It might work for some dogs, but just the desert and the Sierra and it's just, it, it wasn't going to work. So, and my parents love her. So that worked out fine. But yeah, so the AT, um, I adopted my dog. Her name is Boo Radley or just Radley. Um, <laughs> I adopted her just a few months before I did the AT and it's different. I mean, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's their through hike for sure. And it's something that I had to remind myself a lot. And I think that, um, you know, from personal experience, I know that I was determined to hike the whole thing. And, you know, I, I think I did a good job of not letting that get in the way of her safety and her, um, her well-being. But I, I think I can see how it, it could, because, you know, people want to finish you know, if they start with their dog, they want to finish. And sometimes it's not realistic and it's okay if they don't do every single mile, whether that's leaving them at a hostel for the day or whatever. I mean, dogs are not built for 20 miles a day for five to six months. And so it's, uh, it was difficult on her. You know, it was great in the beginning. We, we had a custom made pack from Groundbird gear that she loved and we still have. And I didn't put more than just a couple pounds in there and she did great uh, for the first little bit. It wasn't too hot. We had rain every single day for the first 30 days, I think. And then it just, it just stopped. It was like, it was like just rain every day, like coming from like forest dump. And then it just stopped one day and it, and then it was a drought. And so the rest of the year was a drought year in 2016. And I stopped seeing natural water and she was getting 10 and 20 ticks on her and, yeah. You know, I'm I'm getting more and fit fit and she's getting more fit too, but you know, her kind of threshold was sixteen miles. Um, we did a couple twenty plus mile days that she wasn't too thrilled with me about and it was hot and one day I I mean, she went home for the smokies, of course. My parents came and got her. Um, you know, because I'm from Nashville, they they were pretty close to me, um, you know, within driving distance for the southern half at least. And um one day I, I woke up and I like I did every morning I was like rally you want to go hiking and she just kind of got up and kind of looked at me and then um <laughs> she heard that so now she wants to go hiking sorry <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah I mean she just kind of laid back down um after I asked her if she wanted to go hiking and my um my dad was there the next day to pick her up so yeah. it was it was tough um I was really upset um I felt like I'd failed in a way because I, you know, I adopted her from a super bad situation and I wanted to give her this life of adventure and we were bonding and it was just so great. But then, you know, you can't, I couldn't, there was no way I was going to get to Katahdin with the mileage we were doing. And um, it ended up being fine. But yeah, so when Radley left, I just kind of uh, took off and, and I was uh, upset for a while, but um she went home and I think she's been sleeping ever since she's become a, quite a lazy dog. since then, But that's okay. Did she visit you again on the trail? Like higher up? She 
did not. Um, when my dad, my dad came to get her and then, um, I didn't see her again. My mom did come to visit me a couple times, but she has also been section hiking. Uh, she had been section hiking. And so she would come to see me while she was uh, on her section hikes. Um, we wouldn't hike together, but she would come to see me. She would just plan her section hikes or what she needed to section hike around kind of where you were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, I mean, my mom loves to drive. Luckily <laughs> that has worked out for me. So she'll like on her way up, she would just stop by a road crossing okay. or treat me to a night in a hotel. So yeah. So I didn't see Radley for three months, which was, was super tough. Cause I mean, I had only had her, you know, less than a year and because she had had super tough beginnings and, um, you know, maybe some trust issues. I, I wasn't too keen on that, but I mean, it, it, I felt like I wanted to finish the trail. I had supportive parents and she loves my parents. My parents love her. So it worked out. And I guess the, probably the the best testament is right now when you say you want to go for a hike and she's excited about it. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, now it's, it's nice because we can go on relaxing hikes and shorter ones. And I know, I know her now enough to know that she doesn't like to go more than 60 miles a day and she doesn't do well in the heat and, you know, I just, I keep that in mind. And, and now it's funny, like when we go backpacking, like by day three, I feel like she kind of like side eyes me and she's like, <laughs> we're not, we're not doing that thing again that we did a few years ago. Right. <laughs> that crazy thing that you thought was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, totally. And like, you know, I think she did have a great time, but um I always joke, like, you know, I rescued her from the streets and she um, was thought to be an uh, a, a bait in a dog fighting ring. And I rescue her from this bad situation and I take her to live in the woods. And she's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what seems to be her kind of limit, even though she can do 16 miles a day, like, is there sort of a day limit, like a week or two weeks is kind of her limit in, in terms of how long she's kind of enjoying that? Um, you know, to be honest with you, like since the AT, we haven't really done more than a couple of days. If we're going on a backpacking trip that we really want to like, you know, crush miles, which we never do. But, um, if, if we are like going to go on something harder or it's hot, I just leave her home. But I would have to guess probably three or four days and then she's, she's ready to get back home. Her lazy gene kicks in. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, all right, I need air conditioning and and treats and, (laughs) and my, and my bed. She's got a fancy bed, so. <laughs> Speaking of, of bed, like how, what did you bring on the trail with you for her? You know, like bed and I, obviously you were carrying her food and all of that kind of stuff too, but. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as her like gear, like I said, she had a ground bird gear and um, uh, their packs are great. Um, I'm actually uh, pretty close with the owner and um She's wonderful and, um, you know, she wants her dog to have a good time. So that pack was perfect because Radley actually carried most of her food. Um, and then in the beginning, because it was colder at night, um, I just, uh, cut a Z light in half. And so that's what she, um, that's what she slept on. And then whenever it got hotter, she would honestly just, just sleep right next to me. Um, it was like she was too hot to sleep on that Z light. But yeah, I mean, if it rained, I would just wrap her in my puffy um, and warm her up. And then she would kind of throw it off like, okay, I'm, I'm dry now. Get this thing off me. Um, and then, yeah, besides food um, and a little toy, she has to have a toy. Um, 
and a, like some lightweight bowls. That was really all I carried for. And then um, Musher's Secret, which is a lot of people um, carry that for their dogs. It's actually an ointment that I guess sled dogs use or um, their owners put on their feet and just helps toughen up their paws. And we actually still use it um, just because we walk and hike so much still. But that was that was great. I mean, she never had any issues with her paws, which was what I was worried about. And she didn't lose too much weight. She really like as far as like physically, she was great. It was just it was too hot and too many ticks and she couldn't keep up with the miles. So but yeah, I mean, as far as gear goes, not a whole lot, just just kind of the essentials. And our system worked really well. Nice. And again, she still wants to do it. So win win. Totally. Yeah. I'm going to flip over on you to the Wind River High route. Yeah. Because I don't talk to many people who've done this (laughs) or like at all, really. So I wanted to make sure to to hit it and and have you kind of explain what it is and where it is and and all of that, because obviously I don't talk about it very much. Yeah. So the Wind River High route um, is in the Wind River Range in Wyoming. It's, It's exactly what it sounds like. It's a route. There are, you know, it's not real necessarily because it's not, most of it's not marked. Um, and there are a couple uh, famous through hikers that have, have kind of come up with their own routes or famous hikers, I should say. So Andrew Skirka and Alan Dixon each have a route that goes through the Wind River Range. Um, you know, essentially it's a route that's a higher elevation and not on Mark Trail. It it parallels the CDT, so it is a. I would. I don't know if I would say popular because I'm. I'm not sure if it is, but it it is definitely a, considered an alternate to the CDT because it does link up on either side. So yeah, we we decided to do it. You know, we had just gotten back from the PCT. Um, we wanted to do something in 2019, and Cricket, uh, my partner, um, or James, he had um he had discovered it um he you know he reads a lot of blogs and um and i guess he he probably saw it on reddit or something and he sent it to me and i was like wow this is awesome it's 80 miles uh we really wanted to go on a route that challenged us i felt like we looked out on the pct as far as snow and ice and um there were a couple points where i was a little uneasy and i wanted to challenge myself to to be scared and to go on snow and ice because I knew that it was something we were going to encounter when we do the CDT. And so this kind of felt like the perfect route as far as mileage would would be. And as far as, you know, we were definitely would have snow. So yeah, we, we started it and um, it was hard. Um, And (laughs) and, uh, I knew it would be, we went with our friend, middle brother who um, James had met on the AT in 2017 when, when they threw hiked. And uh, it was good to bring a friend. I think um, he's he's really supportive. He's definitely a comic relief at a lot of points. He's um, we're both we've both become very close with him, and uh, he lives in Atlanta, so he's very um, he's you know a couple hours away. So we we see him, gosh, almost once a month, really. So yeah, so it's um it it, uh, it was hard, and um, we we decided to do uh, the Allen uh, Allen Dixon or Adventure Allen route. Um, it was a little shorter. We didn't have a whole lot of time to complete the trail. You know, we made a lot of mistakes on this trail, and um, we eventually ended up bailing out to the CDT. You know, I, it's for me. You know, coming from the AT, 
and really the PCT, but the AT, you know, you follow the white blazes all the way to Maine. You have to stay on the trail. You don't do alternates. So I think for, for me, what was hard is that I don't know if I can, you know, I haven't done the Wind River High route because it's like I didn't stay exactly on Adventure Allen's route or Skirka's route or whatever. Um, but we had an awesome time. Um, and it was beautiful. And, you know, when we do the CDT, maybe we'll, we'll make up the part that we didn't do. But, um, I think it, it's taken me a long time to be like, it, it wasn't a through hike. We just, we did a section hike. We did our own thing. It was beautiful. We definitely got to see some snow and I was definitely scared at some points. And, um, and I think now like going to the CD, like when we went and if we do the CDT, it's, I will feel a little bit more comfortable in the snow and, and scree and, and altitude. I mean, that was like our biggest mistake really is that yeah. we didn't acclimate. Um, we left time at the end to go explore when really we should have explored at the beginning to get used to the, the altitude, but you know, you live and learn. No hike goes as planned. Exactly. And it's <laughs> something that, uh, you know, really all my through hikes have gone as planned for the most part. I mean, Radley went home and, and I had some injuries on the AT, but I mean, really I've, I've gotten from point A to point B on all my through hikes. So it was frustrating, uh, for me and it, you know, it, it is what it is. And like, it, it's only 80 miles and it wasn't a real through hike, but I think it was, I'm, I guess a perfectionist or just like whenever I set out to do a goal, I want to, um, finish it. And, um, actually I, I did a post for the trek about it. I'm kind of like working through those emotions and Andrew Skirka, uh, actually said something back to me and I kind of was like, all right, well, yeah, if, if he says that, it, it's okay. And it's hard. And like, he said, your, your next high route will be better. Like, I'm just like, all right, well, if Andrew Skirka says it's okay, <laughs> it's probably going to be okay. Um, so it's just, you know, and that's just like a testament to, to like the trail community and, and people supporting each other. And, you know, I, at the end of the day, it was, it was a beautiful hike and I can't wait to, to go back and, and, um, you know, now that I've done that section of the CDT, I can go back on the high route and, not a not a skip that that section on the CDT because I've already done it. But it's so interesting when we take our Type A personalities out onto the trail, and things don't go according to plan, as we've as we've said, and we look at it as such a failure, or we look at it as you know what was the point, or all of that stuff, and it it takes a moment, or somebody else reminding you that it's all. It's all a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think like it is like I try to separate my personality because I'm such a planner and I think I try not to be when I'm on the trail. But and and that's mainly because I try to set like a low bar for myself. So then when I go past it, um, I'm like, wow, I, I did it. Um like, even just if I'm like, oh, like, like, I never will wake up and be like, I'm going to do a 30 mile day today. I'm like, I'm going to do a 15 mile day. And then if I do 30, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. So <laughs> like, I just, I, I don't, I try not to plan when I'm out there because I do enough of that at home. And, um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of anxiety at, at, um, in the real world. And I try to limit those things that trigger my anxiety while I'm out on the trail. Um, and one of those things is, is planning and then having those plans fail. Even though the PCT and the AT have went relatively according to plan, has 
being out on the trail helped you at all with that? Yeah, totally. I think that, you know, almost every time, like in, in the real world, something doesn't work out. I just try to think of, you know, the times that they, they don't work out when I'm on the trail. I'm like, well, you know, those that didn't work out and I had to do something different and I still, you know, finished. And so, yeah, I mean, it definitely helped. And that's why I think I have to do um, smaller hikes, um, you know, whether that's just hiking somewhere in Nashville, um, you know, we're lucky enough to have some great trails just a couple of minutes from our house. Or um, I kind of feel like I always have to have something to look forward to as far as a through hike, whether that's just going to do like a the 30 mile Art Loeb Trail in North Carolina, which is one of my favorite um, short hikes to do, or whether that's something a little bit bigger. Um, I feel like even if we don't have a set date for it, it's just nice to think about like, oh, I'm going to be on a trail soon. So like, I think that helps me in my real life just to be like, okay, it's, it's okay. I'm I'm going to be able to be out on the trail and, and not have to think about all this. And um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So it it is comforting and, um, you know, dealing with anxiety is, is an everyday battle, but it, it is something that the trail helps me with for sure. How are you navigating on the Wind River high route? Um, so we took, we had Gaia GPS maps um, and then we also had paper maps and I can't take any credit for planning this trip. It was all cricket. I mean, it was all him. I think, I think he did everything from the plane tickets. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think I planned. I think I got the rental car. I mean, he really just planned it all for months at a time. I just, I'm so grateful for him for that. You know, it does take a lot of planning and it was great too, because I mean, whenever we'd see a landmark, he'd be like, Oh, that's so-and-so Lake and that's whatever mountain. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Cause he had just studied it so much and watched YouTube videos. And I mean, I'm like, hours and hours of planning so while I had maps um, and we all had compasses and I actually did take a um, a route finding class at REI to kind of prepare for it I mean to be totally honest with you if he wouldn't have been on that trip at uh, uh, middle brother and I probably uh, would not be here <laughs> you would still be lost in the wind river totally uh, which wouldn't be like the worst thing <laughs> but, but yeah so it uh, those are what we had and we had downloaded the maps on our uh, on our phone like kind of similar to Gahook like you can see where you are but because it's a route like you really have to know where you are supposed to be because it's not going to be like a little blue dot on this path and and luckily James knew it like the back of his hand I think we probably could have done it with the out maps actually I'm glad <laughs> we brought them but <laughs> it's sort of like you're don't get me wrong it was very important to have them but yes yeah, I mean, totally important to have him, but he, I mean, he knew he had just planned it to a T and it was, uh, it was great. It made, it made, and he knew all the, the bailout points and he knew all the different scenarios that we, you know, we could, if we did this pass and it was sketchy, we could, we could bail out here. If we did this one, we could bail out here. So it, it worked out that he kind of knew all those points. When you were saying earlier that the Wind River High Route isn't really a trail. What do you mean by that? Like, is it truly bushwhacking through or is it, there, it's just not an official trail, but there are trails that you're following. So, I mean, yes and no, like it's not an official trail, so it's not maintained, but I, you know, there are enough people to where, you know, we definitely saw people. And of course it was right in the middle of, of C 
CBT through hiker season. So, I mean, we did see people and people backpacking, just doing the section. And we actually did meet um, two other couples that were doing the high route. So, and both of them got off at the same place that we did. So, uh, yeah, but as far as like the trail, I mean, you, you start an official trail and then you leave it, but you can see where other people have been. So I think if we were to keep going, there were, and I've talked to people who have done it and they're kind of like, you see, you see a cairn, but then like you go over to the cairn and you're like, whoa, I'm not going that way. That looks sketchy. Um, <laughs> and that, that actually happened to us when we went, we went over knapsack and we saw a cairn. So we're like, do to do, we must go to the cairn. And we went over there and we turned right around because they, the, that cairn was old. Um, it had to have been, cause that was not the correct way. And um, we went back over to the pass and we noticed that someone had cut out um, steps to get, to get down. And man, uh, I love whoever that was. Cause that we left our ice axes in the car, which uh, I think <laughs> it would have been fine because knapsack was like the sketchiest thing that we saw. Um, it would have been nice, but it was literally a 20 foot section where I would have even had my ice axe out. Right. I would have liked it. Um, but I was really more grateful for my micro spikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amen. I love, I love those things. <laughs> You're speaking of the rental car. I, what was the logistics for you guys of the cars? I, I wasn't quite clear on that. Yeah. So the way we did it is we flew into Salt Lake city and then we rented a car and we drove to big Sandy opening, which is actually the Southern terminus. So we went southbound. So we left our car at the Southern Terminus at Big Sandy opening and we got a, um, a shuttle uh, from a local uh, outfitter in town or I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if she actually works for the outfitter, but um, the outfitter has a relationship with a shuttle service. Okay. And so she, um, she brought us to the Northern Terminus and we hiked back to our car. Okay. So the rental, the rental car, sat in the parking lot at the Southern Terminus and then got a shuttle to the Northern Terminus and hiked back to the Southern Terminus. And I'm assuming that the shuttle driver is probably supplying both the CDT and the Wind River High Route at that point. Correct. Yes. So, um, like she had heard of it and she, you know, she just, she shuttled all kinds of hikers. And so she just was like, just tell me where you need to go. Um, <laughs> So yeah, um, she's based out of Pinedale, Wyoming, which is close to where the um, where the Southern Terminus is. So, and Pinedale, Wyoming is such a cool town. Um, it really Tell me. is. And the outfitter there is cool. There's a brewery. Um, it's it was a good place to end, for sure. It's it's a good place to to get off the trail and kick your feet up and. <laughs> yeah, and I mean it's it's definitely a CDT town, um, and. You know, they they got everything you need. They got a grocery store, a hotel, a brewery, and an outfitter. That's that's <laughs> what I need in town. That's what I want. If there's the a brewery, requirements. There's, yeah, like if there's a brewery, I'm probably gonna zero <laughs> at least one at least one day. <laughs> Is that your through hiking motto? Yeah, I mean, I really like an ice cold beer whenever I get into town. And now you've done a, a tour, three tours, so to speak. I'm sure actually even more of the different breweries, the different microbreweries. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, the PCT, I mean, the AT is great. You go through a lot and I wasn't really as into 
craftier than, but man, going on the PCT, uh, James and I had a grand old time. We, we got to see a lot of really cool breweries and, um, Drew Brew, um, and Snow Colony Pass is one of our favorites. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's something to look forward to when you're in town and, um, it's something we do at home a lot. And yeah, it's just, it's like one of the, one of the things that we kind of enjoy doing together. So. <laughs> so it's, it's the perfect <laughs> excuse for further bonding. Totally. Yeah. Speaking of the PCT, now, were you hiking with Twerk or did you just happen to be in the right place at the right time for those pictures? <laughs> yeah. So, um, we, I had met Twerk, um, at Kennedy Meadows South, um, at okay. the, um, kind of the entrance of the Sierra. Um, I think I had actually met him on the trail, but we ha- didn't really talk. So yeah, we, um, I, I met him. Um, or saw him several times on the trail. So yeah, that was really fun. And, you know, he, he just makes it like so enjoyable. And my favorite thing about twerk is when he takes a picture, he immediately, you know, looks down at, at his camera, like on the, um, on the, the viewfinder or the, mm-hmm. like the screen on the back. And he, his expression every time is just like, it's, I wish I could explain it. He's just like a kid in a candy store. He just, <laughs> opens up his mouth and he's just like, oh, this is so great. I'm like just so happy to be here. And he's just amazed at his own talent, which is, is cool because he should be. And he did do like a group photo that night with like everyone there. And I think it was annoying everybody because he's like, all right, you know, peanut move to the left and, you know, starburst go this way or vice go this way. And everyone's like, just take that picture. But, you know, <laughs> he puts, he puts so much thought into it and, he's he's just a really great and special person so uh, the pct community is is really lucky to to have him i it's funny i think that those pictures are the first pictures of twerks that i saw and they just (laughs) so reminded me like both both the full group picture but also the the girls only picture uh oh yeah but they just reminded me of like a a CW sort of hiker trash 90210 or a Melrose place or a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a Riverdale type of thing. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Like seeing all of the, the kids, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. I love that picture. And, um, it's a great group of women. And, um, yeah, the two women on the right in that picture, uh, Toga is at the, at the top with the darker hair and, and pigtails. And then, um, Vice is below her, and those are um, two women that I was lucky enough to to hike with um, a lot of the trail. So, um, yeah, that picture is is so great, and uh, I had a lot of fun. I'm I'm happy that I I got a couple twerk pictures, and um, you know I'd love to run into him again one day and get more because he just he really does just make you feel so beautiful when you're just like, man, I'm freaking disgusting right now. <laughs> And like, he, I mean, he just has a way of doing it. Like, I mean, you look at these pictures and you can, I mean, I'm disgusting in them, but I just felt just like a model, like just beautiful and just, um, he does a great job. Yeah. I think, I think you kind of hit it on the head, particularly the, the women only picture, which I love because it's just this picture of, I don't remember how many of them, how many of them you are, but of just badass women, like being present in the moment and owning it. But it is a little bit like a Gap ad, 
Yeah, it totally is. Like, if you just, like, washed our clothes and, like, our faces, like, it could totally be in a Gap magazine. Yep, I love it. <laughs> you also, as I think almost everybody in existence, stayed at Casa de Luna. Oh, yeah. How was that? Yeah, it was great. Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm glad we did that. Uh, I, it was... <laughs> The the forest behind Casa de Luna is is so cool. It's just like, you know, this like all these nooks and crannies and then you have the um the rocks, uh, which of course Casa de Luna is very famous for is that um you have the opportunity to you know, she has a bunch of rocks up there and you grab one and you paint it and it's just like you feel like you're back in like elementary school like all your friends like what did you paint on your rock and what did you paint on yours let's go let's go find a place to hide it um and it's um it's something that we look forward to and then of course like um uh like you have terry anderson and she takes a picture with you right before you leave um the next day and um she does she does something right before she takes the picture and um you know it's a little uh it's something that you'll hopefully be able to experience and then you can all laugh with us but she just um that that um it's it's interesting like on the pct where you have like these trail angels that just like that's where you stay where like i feel like it's the at there's a bunch of hostels and you stay there and like of course there are some that are more famous than others but it's like you stay at scout and freddo's you stay at casa de luna and then you, know, you stay at uh oh man um, heaven Thank you. And you stay at Hiker Heaven. It's just what you do. Did you stay at Scout and Frodo's? Did you stay? I mean, obviously you were at Casa, but did you also stay at Hiker Heaven? And Yeah. So we stayed at Scout and Frodo's, which, I mean, that just makes your life so much easier. Because, I mean, you know, you're about to through hike and I really don't like flying. So it's like, it just makes it less stressful because it's like you get off the plane, they have um, either they meet you or they, you know, they have many other trail angels and former through hikers who come to help out. And so they pick you up at the airport, they take you there, they give you a tour of like everything, all your questions are answered. And, and then you can just chill until you have to, you know, walk to Canada the next day. So it's, it's, they, are just wonderful people and they have a system down and I think it's, it's, you know, next year's their last year. They just announced, um, you know, this year was supposed to be their last year, but they decided um, not to do it this year, which again, I think is, it was the right decision um, out of respect for the PCTA and, and everyone else who requested to not through hike this year or for people to through hike. So next year they will do it. And I think it's like, if I, it's just, like I said, it makes it, it easier on you, but they, um, they give you dinner the night before and it's always something like cool and unique. And they always have a story about like where they learn the recipe and they sit everyone down and, and they talk about the PCT and, um, they say a lot of things that I think are important. You know, they go into LNT and, um, they talk about kind of best practices, which I think is important to hear just so, like everyone's on the same page. Cause I, I do think that when people don't, necessarily follow the rules it's not to be a jerk and it's not to it's not ill-intended it it's just they don't know and so I think it's good for everyone just to be like oh okay yeah all right you do pack out your toilet paper I didn't know that or oh you're not supposed to I don't know uh 
poop right next to the trail. I didn't know that or whatever it might be. It's, it's great that they let people know that. And, and so I, I, I'm glad they're sticking on for one more year. I totally understand why they're retiring. It would be great if, um, uh, if somebody picked up in their footsteps because I think they are, um, super important to the trail and then hiker heaven. I mean, they're another, another great place. And it's another place where it's like Casa de Luna. It's kind of a little bit of a party and taco salad and, Hawaiian shirts and then hiker heaven is a little bit more um, kind of the same situation with scout and Frodo. You get there. These are the rules. This is the system. And I, you know, it, it's nice. It's like everyone, every one of these places have, they have kind of a different vibe and they're all great um, in their own, in their own ways. It feels a little bit like they're different kindergarten teachers kind of, <laughs> okay, first day of school, here are the rules. This is going to set you up. This is what you need to know. Boom. Yeah, totally. And it is. It's like every one of them have like different rules. You love them all, but they all have like different, different vibes. <laughs> yeah. Different strokes for different folks. Very, very true. Well, and I believe that Casa stopped last year was their last year and maybe Hiker Heaven as well. But I'm yeah. not 100% sure. Yeah. I mean, there were rumors like, you know, I feel like probably for several years, every year was like, this is the last year. Um, and it makes sense. It's a lot of work. It's expensive. I mean, all all three of those are in the desert. And, it's you know, they don't just have running water. I mean, they have to get, like, reservoirs of water. And hikers use a lot of water because they want laundry and showers. And, you know, they accept donations. Well, Scott and Frodo won't accept a donation. But Hiker Heaven and Casa de Luna accept donations. And, you know, it's it's like it's expensive i mean it's so expensive and it's you know your your house is being overtaken for months <laughs> basically all summer right yeah i mean so it's like it's definitely not like a because of course like while you're hiking i think it pops into a lot of um through hikers minds to be like oh it would be so cool to have a hostel but i mean it sounds cool on paper but you have all these people coming through a lot of them feel you know, maybe a little bit entitled or they're just tired and they want to get their laundry done. And they forget that like people are doing this for very little money or no money um, in return. And, you know, they don't have to do that. And um, it's like, I am just so grateful um, to all the trail angels and hostel owners. And it's a hard job. I mean, especially like as a former through hiker, like I can't, imagine some of these hikers leaving every day and you're like, dang, I really want to go with you, but I got to go, you know, change the sheets. Right. The next batch is coming in in a couple of hours. and Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's a hard job. I'm sure it's very rewarding. Um, but I, I understand when, when trail angels are, you know, they're going to move on and hopefully the next generation will follow in their footsteps. Now I'm very intrigued with your, your comment there about as a former through hiker. <laughs> I guess I am a, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a former through hiker cause I'm, I'm not definitely not done yet, but I'm a former through hiker as of right now, I guess. It feels like <laughs> it. Yeah. I mean, I think about it all the time and I'm definitely, like I said, not done at all by any stretch. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm, I, yeah, I'm always a through hiker. You've through hiked, hence you are a through hiker. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
How was your experience on all three of the trails with with animals? You know, I I saw a lot. I saw a lot of snakes on the AT. Um, it was actually wild for me to see. The first time I saw a rattlesnake on the AT was actually the first time I had seen a rattlesnake outside of a church service. So um, in grad okay. school, my <laughs> in grad school, I got my master's in Appalachian studies, and my focus was um, serpent handling churches. And so I've seen. <laughs> I had, uh, I'm just for the record, I am um, not. A member of any of these churches, I'm uh, merely an observer and a and a guest and a visitor to, to these churches. And but I had only seen a rattlesnake in in church, and so when I saw one, I'm like, whoa, different. Whatever it's on the ground next to your feet, as opposed to on an altar and in someone's hands. So it it was wild. And then of course I saw uh, a couple of rattlesnakes on the PCT. We saw Mojave Green, which I really wanted to see. Um, obviously really like snakes. And so I was excited to, to see to see that. Now, what makes that unique or, or how does that differentiate from the, the general? So I think that they're, they're just like a lot more rare. Um, I think they're considered to be more shy. And I mean, there's, there's, it's weird because their coloring is, is like a rattlesnake, um, but it's straight up green. I mean, like, just like this weird green tint. So I think they're just, more rare to see. So I was excited that we got to see one. And then, uh, you know, on the ATS, a bunch of bears, um, w- which, you know, really, I didn't see a lot of bears until Radley left. Uh, I-, I think mm-hmm. probably bears smell the dog and they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm good on that, especially because um, in the Appalachians, you know, you can hunt bear and most people who hunt bear um, hunt them with dogs. So I'm sure that most of the bears in that area have associated with dogs with death. Maybe. I have no idea. But um, so, yeah, when she left, I did see a couple more. And my favorite animal to see is a marmot. And I know that (laughs) most people would disagree with me, but I have never had a negative experience with a marmot. I've never had one like eat my shoes or eat my trekking pole. I just find them extremely cute. And um, they just made me like super happy. So, yeah, I mean, like it just it never got old on the PCT. It never got old on Wind River. I would like always stop and take a million pictures. I feel like they kind of look like Radley because Radley's like a little round and a little <laughs> bit uh, chunky. So I'm like, oh, it's a Mormon. It looks like Radley. <laughs> Radley Jr. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, we never saw a mountain lion, which I'm totally fine with. Um <laughs> And then on Wind River, that was the first time I had ever been in grizzly country. You know, like they're not totally like, I guess I don't think they frequent the Wind River range, but they definitely are, have been known to be in that area. Um, so we did carry bear spray, but we never, we didn't see any grizzlies. And of course I've seen pikas um, on the PCT a couple times, but yeah, I've never had any super ne- negative experiences. One time on the AT, I slept with my food, which was I only did one time. Um, and luckily, Radley was in the tent with me, and a bear did come up next to our tent, started messing with our food, and Radley barked, which is amazing. I've had this dog for several years now, and I've probably heard her bark uh, ten times. So she barked, luckily, and, and the bear ran away. So and then I went to go hang out my food. Uh, but yeah, I mean. I've I've never had a bad experience, so I, I hope it stays that way. 
knock on wood. Yeah. Now, on the Wind River Range, high range, or high route, you were mm-hmm. carrying, you weren't carrying a bear canister, you were carrying a Ursac? Yeah. Um, and the reason we did that, um, and honestly, I would have loved to carry an Ursac on the PCT, but you know, there are places where the bear canister is required. I think that may mm-hmm. change in a few years when people realize that, of course, I'm not a scientist. Of course, I don't know exactly um, if this is true, but I think that Ursacs, when used properly, um, are just as effective as bear canisters. And I, of course, will always respect the rules of the parks um, and trail systems. So um, when a bear can is not required, I prefer, an, and I'm in uh, grizzly okay. country, yeah, not necessarily bear country because I mean we're on the AT. Um, we don't we don't bring them, but like I guess I'll say aggressive bear country or grizzly <laughs> bear country. The Ursac works really great, and it I think as long as you tie it right at the top, and then um, we also inside of our Ursacs we did an opsac just to help with smell. Um, did a what? Uh, opsac O P S A C K. Um, it's essentially just like a hefty uh, Ziploc bag. Um, and so we would put all of our food in the op sack and then in the op sack would go in the earth sack um, just it. so your food's not directly on the earth sack. Um, and then we would walk like point to up or down trail to eat. And then we would leave our earth sacks there and then go back to our tent. And of course in the earth sacks, we have all of our smellables, um, and like I said, I mean, we didn't see a grizzly, but, you know, that was all new for us. Um, and we wanted to make sure that we were following the right protocols. And um, and it was nice, too. Like, so in Pinedale, the um, the outfitter that's there will rent a bear can or, um, or I mean, sorry, bear spray, which is really great because, I mean, you can't fly with it and it's expensive. So it just made sense to rent it. Did you hang the sacks as well or just leave them on the side of the trail and then you'd pick them up the next day? Uh, we just kind of would hide them like okay. um, off the trail, like next to a rock. We didn't hang them. Um, you, you know, totally can. Um, but because it's like, I just don't think it's necessary. Um, you know, we were fine with just kind of hiding them and we didn't have any uh, way to hang them. I mean, we definitely could have. It's just something we kind of discussed before and done research that you just, you just, it was unnecessary to do so. Right. Of course, a bear could totally just grab it and like leave with it. You definitely have that <laughs> risk if it's not tied to anything. <laughs> and even if it is tied to something, that doesn't necessarily save it. But totally. I guess circling back to the whole rattlesnake thing. So, <laughs> so you had seen rattlesnakes during services and stuff like that. How was that then? That first time when you're on the trail and there's a rattlesnake there as you say, at your feet, so to speak, rattling at you? Um, it was weird because, um, I mean, I had seen snakes on the trail. Um, you know, I had section heights, the AT before. And, I mean, it, it was it was just, like, surreal. I'm just like, whoa, it, like, looks happy and free. And, you know, a lot of the other snakes I had seen weren't necessarily that. Um, not that I think that there is any mistreatment in these churches, um, but it is. it was nice to see one out in the wild, and I gave her plenty of space. Um, and then it was just after that, I was like, oh, there's a snake. I'm going to – it's rattling. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm going to take a picture. Um, but I think just like that first time was like, whoa, 
you're not in a church. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually wild rattlesnakes out here. Yeah. And I mean, of course I knew like most, like all of the churches, um, they, uh, they go out into the mountains and get them, their, uh, their cells. Like, so I know that's where they came from. <laughs> it's the same snakes that I'm seeing out on the trail, but they're in a church. <laughs> yeah. But it just feels a little different. Totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always exciting to see a snake. Um, I've, I definitely like, it's funny. I've gotten into trail running recently, um, in the past couple of years and I like, don't want to see one while I run. Cause I, I'm too, I'm scared that I'm not going to like break fast enough mm-hmm. when I'm walking. I feel like I have plenty of time to like scan the trail and, and make sure it's all good. When you're running, it's like, I feel like you're already going to be like hopping over it by the time you even realize you saw one, but I'm not seeing one trail running. Um, I mean, I'm sure I've passed them, but. Right. But for whatever reason, they haven't decided to, to rattle at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How was trail magic for you out there? Um. So on the AT, of course, it's, I mean, in the beginning, it's like at every road crossing, it gets to the point where like you get to a road crossing and there's not trail magic and you're like, am I on the right trail? <laughs> um, and then the PCT, it's like, it's less trail magic, but it's like more epic. Um, I feel like on the AT, it's like, oh, here's a, here's a Snickers bar and I'll take your trash, which is great. And I'm totally grateful for that. Always willing to get rid of some trash or whatever. Um, but on the PCT, it's, um, we probably got trail magic, uh, I don't know, five times, um, maybe more, maybe less. Um, but you know, not as much, but, uh, I mean, like one time we like rolled up to a spot and they were like, do you want, um, a brick oven pizza or a bacon cheeseburger with, um, local beef? And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they like, they did, they had like a, this pizza oven and this grill and it was just like, you know, I had like this burger with like arugula and like, you know, candied, uh, bacon jam. And I'm like, this is weird. Um, I was awesome. And, um, and, uh, a couple other times, um, we would get out to get to a spot and it'd just be like, just like fancy food. And it was, it was great. And, um, yeah, so I mean, trail magic's always awesome. It's never expected. I try to never expect it, especially when I got a little spoiled on the AT and I get to a road crossing like, oh, I was really hoping there was going to be an ice cold Coca-Cola at this crossing and there's not. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it makes it, it's nice to meet people and people want to hear your stories and it's always a pleasant supply, uh, surprise for sure. Was that gourmet burger, gourmet pizza probably the most epic yeah probably the most epic i yeah i mean as far as like food goes and the people who gave it to us were were wonderful and um they were not through hikers they just found out about the trail and they were locals another time we were in northern california oregon i think and we met this group of women and they camp every year and do trail magic um and they uh we had like fajitas and like margaritas and like that was really cool because we just sat and like talked with them for a couple of hours and I'm I still talk with one of them uh on Facebook quite a bit and so it's like you know that's like a lasting 
memory for me. Like the, the food was great. I mean, it wasn't, you know, arugula on my burger or anything. <laughs> I love arugula. I like arugula is my favorite, but you know, I like really made a connection with those women and it was just really, it, they were just really great people. So, I mean, yeah, it's nice when the food's great, but it's even like better whenever you can like make a connection and especially like, you know, it will never get old when people are like, I don't want it to like come off as, I don't, but it, it never gets old when someone's mesmerized by what you do and like what you're doing when you're through hiking and that you're, they're just like genuinely just in awe and like stoked for you and they want you to make it. And they're just trying to make, you know, your day a little bit better and your journey um, a little bit easier, I guess. Cause you know, it's hard and it's, it's nice to have food cooked for you. And, um, and it's, it's nice to be um, encouraged in that way. When you started the the AT, were you a solo hiker? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, besides Radley, yeah, it was just me. Yeah, beside Radley. <laughs> How quickly did you pick up a, a tramley? Um, well, the AT was so different than the PCT um, for a lot of ways because I started it solo. Um, I never really had a trail family um, on the AT, like one throughout the whole trail, Um you know, I was single, so I, I uh, had uh, I met up with people along the way. I had I I don't know if dating's the right word, but I had a, a couple trail bays or whatever. Um, you know, and it was a different through hike because of that. And I would hike with people for a while and realize that you know our paces didn't add up. Uh, I also had an injury and and Radley left and. Um, I'm super, I think I didn't know this before I had the AT, but I'm super independent. Um, and because I like to go on my own schedule, I didn't want to be with a set trail family because I felt like I needed to do this for myself and I didn't want to be on someone else's schedule and sometimes it did work out and I met some of the most amazing people. And towards the end, uh, I did probably have the closest thing to a family um, for the last, um, I don't know, 800 miles. I hiked with two women, uh, Wet Tent and Hot Toddy. Um, and I knew <laughs> who they names. were. Um, yeah, I know. They're, they're both wonderful Um I actually have, um, I, right after the trail, a couple months after the trail, I went to Cuba with Hot Toddy and then, um, Wet Tent and I took a trip, um, to Canada and we did the Juan de Fuca trail. Um, and then we also hiked to Della Falls, um, which is Canada's highest waterfall. Um, so yeah, I'm still very, you know, close with them. And, um, I think the reason we worked out for the last few hundred miles is because it was never, okay, we're going to be at the shelter tonight. Um, see you there it was like if I see you great if, if I don't it's fine because you know we're all going to the same place we're all going to Katahdin um we did make sure to summit together um we all met at Abel Bridge um which is right before you enter Baxter um and we hiked together the last 12 miles but other than that I was pretty much solo I don't really like to hike with people during the day um I like to go my own pace and I like to stop when I want to stop um so I think that's why like I never really was with people the whole entire time and then of course I, I got off for an injury um for a little bit so 
Yeah, I mean, I, I met some of the most amazing people on the AT, um, but I wouldn't say that I had a, uh, a set family besides those two trail sisters. But you did meet Cricket on the AT, right? No, so actually Cricket and I met after my thru-hike okay. and before his thru-hike. So um, in that like kind of six-month span in between. Um, so I finished the AT and, and I got back and um, we we met and he wanted to do the AT. So he kind of was like, hey, can I can I buy you some beer and can you tell me about the AT? And I was like, uh, heck yeah. I mean, free beer <laughs> and talking about the AT, of course I'm going to do that. Also want on the record that he did not pick up the tab that night. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, he uh, has a rule he doesn't buy on the first date, but um, it's okay. So it, it went out. from an information <laughs> gathering to a first date. Yeah, so that was um, fast. <laughs> yeah, um, and so you know, it was funny because um, it, it, you know, we talked about the AT, and you know, he dropped me off that night, and I was like, well, I'm never gonna see this guy again because he's gonna go off on the AT, and he just wanted some information, and then. Um, he went on a section hike of Georgia and then came back and we um, hung out again. And he told me about his section hike and said that he, he decided he was going to go in that next year. And I, I'm kind of, um, I, when I did the AT, I didn't want anything back home. Um, I didn't want anything kind of like tying me down. And so I kind of was like, you know, you should, you should do that and then hit me up whenever you get back. But that didn't really work out. We ended up just staying together through it all. How was that, having done the AT, so you knew what that was going to be like, how was that like being the person at home with watching somebody do the AT or having somebody do the AT? Yeah, I mean, it was it was hard. You know, we had just started dating and um, I was obviously going through some post-trail depression. And um, when I got back, I had to be on crutches for six weeks and I was still kind of dealing with that injury. Like it, I still hadn't recovered from it. My, my hip was still hurting. And so when he was gone, it, it was really tough, but I was able to go see him a couple of times. And actually the, I believe it was the first time I went to go see him, my friend Frisbee and Stubbs who, um, uh, um, I had met on my AT through hike. They had attempted in 2016 and they decided to get off because Stubbs had an injury. And so they attempted again in 2017 and they successfully completed it then. Um, and so they were meeting up in Gatlinburg for Frisbee's birthday. And I was like, that's perfect um, because I'm going to pick up cricket. So I introduced him to Frisbee and Stubbs and, uh, you know, we hung out and, uh, James and I took a couple day break in Boone, North Carolina. Um, and then he got back on at Gatlinburg and a few days later he ran into Frisbee and Stubbs and, um, he hiked with them all the way to Katahdin, um, with his trail family and, and in his trail family was, with PCP and, um, Gumby and, um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So Such it, a small I, world. Think that, I know. So it was, it was a little comforting that like I knew he was with people that, I care a lot about, um, you mm -hmm. know, Frisbee and Stubbs were people that I met on the AT in 2016 and Stubbs and I, you know, she got off for the same injury that I stayed on with. So I knew, you know, we had that connection, but you know, they, they were, they're special people to me. And so I knew that he was in good hands, I guess. Um, so yeah, it was hard, but then as soon as he finished and I didn't want to pressure him, um, 
too much because I, you know, I didn't want to do another trail until I touched Katahdin. As soon as I touched that sign, I was like, all right, I'm going to do another trail. I mean, it was something that, you know, people ask you all the way like, oh, what's next? And I'm like, nothing. I'm going home to my dog. And then as soon as I summited Katahdin, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go do the PCT. <laughs> and it was nothing, it was something I, I never considered it until then. Um, and so when I, when Cricket finished and he came home, um, I gave him a couple weeks and then I was like, so <laughs> kind of you. P- PCT 2018. <laughs> and he was like, I reckon. So um, but yeah, then we did the PCT in 2018. So just, he just had a few month break uh, in between through hikes. So sorry, sorry, cricket. <laughs> <laughs> How was that going on to the PCT not being a solo hiker? After, after being so conscientious about your independence on the first one. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was hard in a lot of ways. Um, but all of the positives outweighed the negatives. I mean, cricket and I just, we, we work together on trail and, um, you know, every day wasn't easy. And I think because I didn't necessarily have a trail family on the AT, I was okay with not having one on the PCT. We, we met so many amazing people out there and the closest thing we had to a trail family out there was uh, Toga who I mentioned earlier. Um, but she was very independent as well. And so we kind of ran into her when we ran into her. Um, but I think it was hard for cricket in a lot of ways. I mean, he only had a few months break in between and he, you know, he went straight to another trail. So I think that was probably hard for him mentally um, where I was like a little bit more like, year and a half off, like, oh my God. And like, you know, I had to sit at home while he was on, you know, a through hike. And of course that's not what I did. I mean, I didn't just sit at home. I was (laughs) hiking and visiting him, but I was like, all right, like now we've done both on the AT, let's go do this together. And so I think it was hard for him. I mean, he had, like I said, he hiked with the same people for most of the trail. And, um, he, he, those people are just some of, I mean, middle brother and, um, you know, those are truly part of his family and where I think it was easier for me not to have that. So we just never really clicked with people um, as far as like the stars didn't align for us to have a trail family on the PCT. I think when we do the CDP, it's something that we'll maybe be proactive, uh, more proactive about. I mean, I think it was just, we, like I said, we met amazing people. Um, It just, we just didn't have a tight knit, thing and I don't know if it's because we're a couple um, and people assume maybe that we don't want to have a trail family or you know I'm, I'm pretty extroverted whereas um, Cricket's pretty introverted but as far as like um, hiking with a partner it was it was wonderful I mean it's I don't think we were as um, we were so we just became so close and you know we really at that point had only been dating for a year you know, we didn't live together before. So it was definitely like a test. And, you know, I think we passed and it, um, it, it, I think, like I said, I I think that it it brought us closer and um, it, you know, I wouldn't change a thing. And, and, you know, now we, now we want to do all of our through hikes together. um, For the most part, I don't want to do the Florida (laughs) trail. He wants to do a Florida trail and I will not be going on that one. (laughs) Copy that. Now, did you, it, on the PCT, did you guys hike during the day together or did you kind of do your own things and then meet up at lunch and at night or that kind of thing? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. And like, it, it just depended. So, uh, we do differ on that a little bit. I would prefer to hike by myself and meet up at lunch, um, and like kind of agree on a spot at night. Um, cricket likes to hike with us during the day or with me during the day. So I, I think it just depended on the day. Um, if we were going into town or we had a shorter day, we would mainly hike together. Um, he's faster than me on the uphills, but on the downhills and flat, I am faster and that's mainly because he just has a very fast pace like all the time his pace just doesn't change whereas like uphill I'm so slow and then downhill and flat I usually run so it I mean short answer is it just depended on the day Um, but most of the time I would say it's 50 50 sometimes together and sometimes not um depending on the terrain I mean if it was like a hard day like there was snow involved um we would stick together you know, like the scary days. Um, and like I said, going into town. So mainly in Washington and the Sierra, it was together um, all the time because we did get snow in, in Washington. What was your scariest day or one of the scariest days? Um, actually, I mean, Forrester was probably my scariest moment. It really, you know, compared to like PCP's crossing and like other people's that I've seen in previous years, it's just like that ice shoot is just like, dude, this is like, if I fall, this is not going to end well. Um, a long way down. Yeah. And like, you know, I used my ice axe like in practice, like in snow fields, but like I wasn't totally confident. And, you know, that is something that you see on the PCT of people you like having ice axes, but like, <laughs> like a lot of times people don't even know how to use them and, and I'm yeah. definitely one of them, you know, like YouTube was like my biggest teacher. So um, that was my scariest moment, but actually uh, my scariest day on the PCT was not on the PCT. We took a um, day off and went into Yosemite and we did half dome and, and that was my scariest day. <laughs> <laughs> um, that, that hike up those cables uh, was my probably the scariest day of my life (laughs) how are you with heights uh not great Aaron and it's something that like I wish it's like it's I don't even know if it's in my mind it's that I just get this uncontrollable vertigo um and it's just like I just shake and I I wish I wasn't because once I'm up there I'm fine but it's just like I just get really bad vertigo um and i get shaky and, and uneasy. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess that means I'm scared of heights. I'm like in my mind, I'm not. And I, I mean, obviously I've been on a lot of high places, but yeah, it's just that vertigo where I just, I'm as soon as I'm up there, I'm like ready to, to get down. <laughs> <laughs> but you keep doing it and I love it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Speaking of the snow and, and ice axe and stuff like that, how is glissading for you? Oh, it's so fun. It It's whenever we could do it, we definitely did it. Um, it's, you know, we had a low snow year. We were really lucky. Um, in fact, we, when we were going through, we had several people reach out to us like, Oh, you're so lucky. Like last year was the worst. And, you know, of course, um, 2017 was 
the Fire WHC. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and so we were very lucky. Um, but of course, I wasn't there in 2017. So I only know 2018. And, and there was snow for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be fun to do to do more glissading. I hope there's more glissading in my future from a, uh, you know, a safe glissading. I'm not like, I don't want to go too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> How late were you guys, when you guys were finishing the PCT in Washington, how late in the season were you? We were at, I wouldn't say the tail end, but we were getting pretty close. We definitely had friends finish after us, you know, Starburst was somebody that we met um, mm-hmm. on the first day and she was behind us. And, you know, we, I remember thinking like, wow, I, I feel like we're already getting snow. You know, we were thinking about her like man and in blue and twerk and, toga and some of these people that you know we cared about and just like dang like i feel like we're cutting it close because the snow was a little early that year i mean the 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 last like four or five days was that was the coldest i've ever been you know we wake up to a fresh blanket of snow every day and and like you know we would start um in the morning you know at a lower elevation and then we would go up um as we climbed in elevation it would start to snow and when you're going up, it's fine because you're working harder and you're sweaty. But then as soon as you, you know, of course, the PCT doesn't have a lot of summits. But of course, once you reach the highest point and then you start going down, then you start to get cold because you're going downhill and working less. And it was snowing and it was cold. So we, I'm glad we finished when we did. And I'm glad that the people behind us were able to finish as well safely. Yeah. Because it was early. Were you able to swap out gear for the cold like yeah at, at Snoqualmie or Stevens or Leavenworth or, or any of those places or even even a little higher up yeah so actually for the most part we kept a lot of our gear we didn't get our um, ice axes and um, micro spikes back but um, we kept our base layers and our puppies pretty much the whole time my mom did send us um, our gloves and um, hat in Snoqualmie, I, I believe, um, is where she sent it. Or, you know, you know what? It was Cascade Lock. Um, okay. And so she sent it there. And so, and I'm glad that we had gloves and hats. Um, that was super helpful. But other than that, um, besides gloves and hats, we, we kept our puppies and our base layers the whole time. So you didn't, like, you didn't get into Northern California and kind of dump those things and then have to recoup them. No, I mean, um, okay. my parents actually came to see us in, um, oh shoot, what was that town? Now I'm blanking. Um, yeah, it starts with a, <laughs> a T. Um, they came to see us in, uh, in Northern California. Now it's going to bother me. Um, but they came to see us and so I swapped out some clothes in because it was getting hot. And so, um, I like, didn't have a, I like swapped out my sun shirt for a tank top. And I, I think I, I gave her my fleece and then I never got that back because I just didn't feel like, any, I mean, the puppy was nice, but I didn't think I needed a fleece. It probably would have been nice in Washington. I would have worn it for sure. But yeah, I mean, we, we keep our gear to a, to a minimum anyway. So I feel like we're having a puppy the whole time, you know, is, is fine. Cause it's, you know, mine doesn't weigh that much. So most of the things it's like, it's it's fine to have the whole entire time in my opinion um especially because it's like 
if you just like have it the whole time, then you don't have to worry about getting to town and the post office is open and, and all that stuff. I, that gives me anxiety to have to try to get there whenever the post office is open. So I'd rather just have it and not have to worry about it. What was your resupply plan plans on, on the trail uh, or on, I guess specifically the PCT and the AT? Yeah. So the AT, um, I just resupplied in towns. Of course you can do that. You know, you don't have to go more than two days really. Um, if you don't want to, so the AT, no resupply um, as far as like boxes. And the PCT, mm-hmm. we only had two boxes sent to us. Um, Warner Springs, uh, nope. Um, is Warner Springs the, um, trying to think, uh, when we got it. So we got it. Our first resupply was, what is the town, right? Past Eagle Rock. It is Warner Springs. It is. <laughs> um, and then uh, in, um, in Washington, we got one as well. But if really, if I could go back, I wouldn't have any sent to me because I felt like every single town I could comfortably resupply in. Interesting. Um, Even up in the northern Washington area. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind, like, I don't mind resupplying at a gas station. So it's just like, I think that if people are maybe picky or they're just things you know we've met people who have celiac and they're gluten-free and you know they they have restrictions like then totally that makes sense to me but we just I can really be happy with gas station food it's not like you know my favorite but I feel like I can resupply pretty comfortably at those places and and again like you know with those packages then you've got to be at the place in the right time and um so your schedule is at the mercy of the post office and or wherever you're picking it up. and Yeah. And then, uh, like, I will say, like, in Warner Springs, it wasn't, like, the best. I think um, Toga uh, resupplied there, and she said it was quite expensive. So, yeah, I mean, it like, it, it was fine, um, but I don't think it was necessary. I mean, obviously, when we do the CDT, I think it's going to be a little bit different. We also cold soaked. Uh, I didn't bring a stove on the um, PCT. So it's like, you know, you just get like a box of Pop-Tarts and a box of this and a box of that. It's like, you know, I mean, if they didn't have couscous that I could cold soak, like I was going to be fine because I was getting pretty sick of that pretty quick. <laughs> what was your diet like out there? So on, on the trails. Yeah. So on the AT. I did have a stove. Honestly, I did not eat enough on the AT. I just was not hungry. I just never got that hiker hunger. And so, but, you know, I did have a stove, like I said, a lot of macaroni and cheese. Uh, Annie's mac and cheese is like my favorite. And then on the PCT, we cold soaked. So, I mean, really for breakfast, it was a Pop-Tart. Um, and then lunch was like, you know, chips. I ate so many chips. Um, <laughs> goldfish. Um, Snickers, and then dinner was usually cold-soaked um, couscous. That was kind of my go-to. But yeah, I mean, I like I said, I definitely did not eat enough ever. I mean, I just, like I said, I just wasn't hungry, <laughs> which obviously, um, you know, I think that's probably um, on the AT is why I got injured. I wasn't eating enough, and um, it wasn't, it didn't end well, but... <laughs> 
What was your I injury? So I had a stress fracture in, in my hip. When Radley left, I felt like I needed to make up some some miles. And so um, she left and I was, you know, hitting 20s and pretty consistently and I wasn't eating enough. And I had stopped menstruating after the first month. And the way the doctor oh, wow. explained it to me, um, we stopped menstruating your body stops producing vitamin C and calcium and then your bones get weak and brittle. And so I got a stress fracture and um, I got off for about a week in Pennsylvania with my uncle and I went to a couple doctors and they were like, it's either bursitis or a stress fracture, but they were going to have to, they were going to have to do an x-ray. And I was like, I can't really afford that. And so I just, uh, I kept going and I was taking like 16 Advil a day from Pennsylvania to the end. Um, which was probably really bad for me. Um, and, and so, yeah, um, when I got home, it was a stress, they said it was a stress fracture. And so then I, um, so then I decided to, or so then the doctor said that I needed to be on crutches for six weeks when I got home. <laughs> um, but it was really painful, super painful. Um, I definitely take calcium and vitamin C, um, daily now. And I may, I force myself to eat even if I'm not hungry. So that will never happen again. How did you walk however many hundreds of miles on a stress fracture? Uh, it was a lot of tears. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, what I would do is I would just get up really, really early um, and hike really late. Um, and then I would just take four Advil every four hours. Damn, girl. Yeah, it was really bad. I don't suggest it for anybody. And, um, you know, my friend Stubbs, who I mentioned earlier, she got it about the same time as me. And she decided to get off, which um, was probably the best decision for her body, but I felt like I had gone so far and, um, I just, I was just so determined. And so I just, I did it, but, um, it was, it was a bad decision for my body. And when I got back to the doctor, um, they did like a bone scan and they like showed me how like it had migrated up and it was very, very close to being a full blown fracture. So yeah, yeah, it was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't have any injuries or relatively serious injuries on the PCT? No, I mean, there were definitely points like going into Stahican, um, you know, which is like the last town. Um, yeah, that was that was the other place that we got a box. And I wish we wouldn't have gotten a box there because I could have just resupplied on the bakery there and been totally fine. <laughs> um, like we had these boxes and like I just got a bunch of stuff at the bakery and just I think I probably still have stuff in our kitchen from that resupply box because all I ate was cinnamon rolls to Canada. Um, but yeah, going into Stahican, my hip did start to hurt a little and I was like, well, good thing we're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I had a few blisters, um, um, on the PCT, but you know, nothing, nothing like PCPs. Nothing like PCPs, P- blisters. Oh, like right, she right, right. had some of like the worst. And, and like some other people too. I mean, I just had a couple on the backs of my heels, but nothing, no big deal. Yeah. No, I, I heard blister stories and I'm, I am just like, how are you still walking? But yeah, it's power um, to you. Oh my, well, cricket has never, ever gotten a blister and, um, it, it's not fair. I think she needs to get one to be a real through hiker. 
<laughs> it's like a badge. It's like a, an honor badge that you must have. Yeah, it's so funny. I'm like, how have you done like 6,000 miles of hiking? You've never gotten a blister. And sometimes he'll be like, oh, look, I have a hot spot. And I look at it and I'm like, that is not a hot spot, dude. Like, you you need a blister. <laughs> you need a true hot spot and blister education. Yeah, seriously. In going through your postings for the AT, you had a posting about the Mahusik Formal. Oh, yeah, Mahusik Formal. That was so great. Um, man, that was like one of my favorite days on trail. So for those unfamiliar, the Mahusik Notch is um, the toughest mile on the AT. It's essentially just you're on your hands and knees the whole time. It's just a bunch of boulders. And, you know, it's like one of those things that people fear monger about. And it's like, this is going to take you a year to get through this mile and, you know, make sure you have the whole day to do this mile and blah, blah, blah. And, and we were like, okay, or we could make it really fun. Like it's just a <laughs> mile. If it takes us the whole day, there's a place to camp right before there's a place to camp right after. And so foot who was one of the guys that we met on the AT me and him and wet tent and hot toddy decided that we were going to have a beverage and carry it through the whole entire Mahusik Notch while dressed up. Um, I did not get a dress, but I think, I think wet tent and hot toddy got a dress and then um, foot uh, put a tie on. And so we took awkward prom photos. Um, and of course in the South, it's in probably other places, but, um, when you take photos, you have to have at least a foot between you to leave space for Jesus. So when we took those photos, we made, made sure to leave space and, um, you know, just have these awkward, you know, prom photos and, and, uh, yeah, the beverage thing lasted maybe about five minutes because our whole rule was that you had to have a beverage, but then if you had to stop, you had to set it down on a coaster. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that like, we were like, we just chugged our drinks and like put the coasters up and stuff. Cause we were like, all right, we need to focus on, on getting through this mile. Um, and you know, it, it did take us probably a little bit longer than most people. I think it probably took us like two hours, but we were messing around a lot and, um, stopped and talked. But I think probably on average, it takes people like an hour to get through it. You were, you were enjoying the moment. Totally. Yeah. It was, um, and we got some funny photos out of it. So that was a fun day. <laughs> Where did your trail name come from? This is a good story. So we, um, <laughs> so I, I actually, my grandfather growing up called me Peanut. So this was already something I had been called my whole life. And going into uh, Fontana Dam, I was hiking uh, with a person, and they suggested Purple Haze, and my hair was purple uh, at when I started the AT, and I was like, no that's not going to work. And like I had had like, you know, Fontana Dam is actually pretty late to get a trail name on the AT. You get a trail name like in the first five minutes. I mean, it's, it's almost ridiculous um, on the AT where it's like the first night people are trying to give you a trail name and they try to force it. And I just did like, I did not want to do that. I was like, I want, I want to do something stupid or I want to like, you know, have it be meaningful because you know, you're going to be called this forever. Um yeah. And so I really like elephants and actually this is why the name was suggested. So the person I was walking into Fontana Dam with was like, well, you really like elephants and elephants really like peanuts. So you should be called peanut. And I was like, um, I will accept this trail name, but not because of the elephants, but because 
um, my grandfather who was super like stoked for me to do the AT um, and had always called me peanut um, would, would have just loved that. And so I was like, yeah, peanut, that sounds great. So yeah. And luckily before nice. he passed away, um, I, uh, he, I told him, I was like, yes, so my trail name is. And he was like, peanut. And he was like, well, of course it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> of course. What was your most challenging, difficult moment or time on trail either physically, mentally, emotionally? Yeah. Um, well, in the AT, I think, you know, my hip was at a time where Bradley had left. I didn't have a trail family, which I wasn't necessarily looking for one, but it's it's nice to have people to hang out with at night. And I think I was in between bubbles. And so I just, I wasn't seeing a lot of people. And I just, gotten to hang out with my uncle he uh for a week um and so like just kind of getting back on trail after that and being like okay well I got to hang out with my family but now I have to leave and I don't have Bradley and I don't not I'm surrounded by these hikers who I've never met so I got really sad and I got what I'm going to call the Pennsylvania blues Uh, most people call it the Virginia blues and I got to Pennsylvania and I was just like in a really sad place and I dyed my hair blue for the Pennsylvania blues and (laughs) I was really sad for like several hundred miles and just like I just want to get this trail done with and then slowly you know it got better and like my head was still in pain but I was just meeting all these wonderful people I met these guys named Flash and Wolverine and Good Talk and and just like these people who necessarily like weren't necessarily my trail family um but they were people who just like every every day I like would see at different points and I started to get to know the hikers around me. And, and so I, I got out of that. And then on the PCT, um, so when I did, like when I got on the PCT, um, my dad had just finished chemo and he, um, his brother had died a few months before. So his brother, my uncle, um, who had been super supportive for, with me on the AT and I came to visit me a couple of times and, I visited him when I was injured. Um, he died uh, just a couple months before I did the PCT. And just a week after his funeral, my dad got diagnosed with the same cancer. So it was it was tough because, I mean, my dad's diagnosis was less severe than my uncle's. He was stage one. but So my dad had just been going through chemo. And then I was really grappling with, you know, do I go on the PCT? And do I stay at home to see, you know, to help and... Not that there was much I could do, um, but uh, ultimately, you know, we decided that the PCT um, would, you know, be good. I mean, my dad was supportive and I felt like it'd be a good way to, you know, walk off the grief. And I know that my uncle would have been super proud of me and um, my cousin, uh, Ellen, his daughter, um, you know, I talked to her several times on the PCT and she was would repeatedly say that, you know, my uncle would have been really proud. And of course, I, my dad was able to come out and, and see me while I was out on the PCT, which was so great. And um, I think I needed that too, just to see that he was okay. And, you know, he's been in remission for over a year now. So, but it was hard a lot of times on the PCT, just knowing that, you know, Radley was back at home and I missed her so much. And it was the longest I'd ever been without her. So, I don't think that it was necessarily hard to like um, can't pinpoint a time on the PCT, but there were definitely low points. The PCT was harder for me and emotionally in in so many ways, 
you know, the AT, the Appalachians, like that's my heart lies within the Appalachian mountains. It's, you know, they, they, that trail and those mountains call to me. I mean, like I can't even explain. And I grew up in the Appalachians. I, I lived there when I went to App State and I went to um, UTC. I went to University of Tennessee in Chattanooga. So, I mean, I grew up going there. I mean, that's where I grew up going to family vacations. And so I had friends from Georgia to Maine that would come to see me. Um, and the PCT was just different and not necessarily in a bad way, but, you know, the AT feels like home, whereas the PCT is more foreign to me. So, uh, and because I was dealing with these emotional things, it was hard a lot on the PCT and, and um, that was a super hard trail for, for, for both of, for both of us. I mean, I love the PCT and, um, but I mean, the AT is just, that's, uh, that's my favorite place in the world. So that's your home. Yeah. When you think about the trails and your experiences on the trails, like what is the image or memory that comes to mind? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think, um, you know, the AT, um, well, just always like, it's just like a million images that come like, you know, it's just like a flash. It's, you know, it's Roan Mountain, it's rhododendron and it's Katahdin and it's, it's all of this. And, um, it's my summit. I don't know. There's not one image. Um, but as far as like memories, I mean, the AT, I was introduced to the AT by my mom. She took 13 years to section hike it. And I section hiked it um, when I was in undergrad and when I was in grad school with her. And I think of her a lot when I think of the trail, because I don't think that I would have discovered it without her. And, and yes, I mean, when I, as far as memories go, I I think about her a lot, even though she wasn't on my through hikes. um, I know it's because of her that, that I discovered the trails um, and, and I finished the AT with her. So her last section was Katahdin. And I went back a year after my, uh, a year after my um, through hike and did Katahdin with her. And that was just a really magical moment because I got to summit with her and just kind of be back there after I felt like I had to go back up to Katahdin to get that piece of my heart that I left before I hiked the PCT. I didn't, I didn't feel whole going into the PCT and I felt like I needed to go back to kind of tell the AT like, Hey, I'm going to go hike the PCT, but I'm, I'll be thinking about you the whole time. <laughs> um, I won't forget you. Yeah. So yeah. And, um, you know, the, my mom has always been like my number one cheerleader, like as far as like the through hikes, I mean, whether that's, I need you to overnight my gloves or whatever it may be. And, um, she's writing a book right now about, section hiking AT. So it's like super fresh in my mind, but she's just like, you know, wonder woman in my eyes. So I, I think that's why I automatically think of her when I think of, of the trail. She introduced, she's probably the person you had a lot of your first experiences on the trail with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first section hikes were with her and um, all my gear advice was from her for the AT, which I ended up changing all of it, um, but she's, <laughs> she's a different for the PCT. I mean, I couldn't afford to switch up any of my gear right. for the AT, um, but right. uh, 
yeah, I mean, she, it's cool. Like it's, it's, it's so cool that she section hiked. And I honestly think that section hiking, the AT is way harder than through hiking. I will, I have the utmost respect for section hikers. It's tough. It's more expensive. Like, um, yeah, more expensive logistically. It's hard. I mean, you know, it, it logistically, you just, you know, when you're through hiking, you just walk from Georgia to Maine or, you know, Mexico to Canada. But when you're section hiking, you have to figure out, are you going to leave a car at the end? That's expensive. Are you going to drive? Are you going to fly? Are you going to hitchhike? Are you going to pay a shuttle driver? And then, you know, you're only out there for X amount of days. So it's like you get your trail, your trail leg, and then you got to go home. Um, but she was working. So, I mean, she had the section hike. Um, she's a retired FBI agent. And so I think it was a way for her to get away from a super stressful job um, and probably a sometimes difficult daughter. And, you know, it was her way to get away. And, and then when I finally, you know, when I was in high school and she was section hiking it, I was, you know, too cool for school. But then um, when I got older and I started section hiking, I'm like, oh, I, I get it. This is just a way for you to, to get away from it all. To calm your, your, uh, your brain, your mind. Totally. Yeah. Is there anything that we should talk about that we haven't yet? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, by the way, I have, um, I'm free for the next little bit. So, I mean, if you have any other questions, I'm completely <laughs> here for it. Um, but just so you know, I mean, I don't want to take up your whole day, yeah. but I just, if there's anything else. I do know I, one other thing, but if, yeah. if, if there's anything that you have thought of that should, should be said. I think that I, like one thing that is, I think important in this moment to say is that I do realize that like through hiking is super niche and um, I understand that it's not easy for people to leave their lives for five, six months. And I'm grateful that I've been able to do it. And I do understand that it's like, it's a privilege, right? I mean, like, to leave your life and to quit your job or whatever it is and go hike voluntarily to be in the woods in a tent um, for all that time and to be able to afford to do it. And for me to be able to leave Radley um, and carrying hands. Um, and, and I, I know that that's a privilege and that I'm very grateful for all the, all that I'm able to do it um, and that I will be able to continue to do it. Hopefully. Having now done it, do you feel like or do you think that you have more, I guess, incentive or push to find ways to make it happen again, even if it is difficult? Yeah, I think that when I'm shoot, when I'm in my own lifestyle, I feel like I always, uh, at least for the past couple of years and right now, I I uh, find myself always choosing things in my lifestyle that I can easily um, leave if I need to. So I'm in Nashville. My parents are 30 minutes south. So, I mean, I can leave Radley there and go tomorrow. I, you know, obviously I do have a job. I'm lucky enough to have been able, I work remotely. So I was able to keep my job through, through all of this. But I mean, really, other than that, I don't pay rent. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I feel like I do have a lifestyle to where I always keep it just uh, only one or two steps away from me being able to leave. 
I mean, big steps. I mean, quitting a job I that I like and um, would be a big step and leaving Radley. But other than that, um, yeah, I mean, I think until, I mean, I'm never going to be done through hiking. It's something that I'm, the adventure is always going to be there. There are a couple through hikes that I'd like to get done sooner rather than later because there are things in um, me and Cricket's life that we want to do in the next few years that will um, limit us. And as far mm-hmm. as like through hiking, so there are a couple trails we'd like to get done sooner rather than later. Um, we will never, I don't like the term settle down because we'll, we'll never do that. We're always going to adventure. Our adventures are probably going to look different here in, in a few years um, when we, we do some other things um, in our personal lives. But um, <laughs> I like how you're tiptoeing around this. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, there are some things we kind of yeah. want to get out of the way. But, um, you know, we are um, cricket has a job that let him leave once. I don't know if they'll let him leave again. I just um, started with uh, Hoka, um, which is a shoe company, um, in March. So, um, you know, I've worked really hard to break into the outdoor industry, and I feel like I've, I'm finally there. So it is something I want to hang on to for for a little bit. Yeah. But the pack is always going to be packed and, and ready to go. Totally. Um, yeah. And I mean, I think as far as like what's next, you know, we were, we were leaning towards the CDT this year. Obviously I'm glad we decided not to, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, the CDT, um, is something that we want to do and that we will do. Um, right now the AT is calling to us a little bit more. So, so we'll see. We're definitely going to do the AT at least once more probably more than once but um (laughs) i i think for me the the uh triple crowning calls more to me than the cdt if that makes sense um so i i I do want to do the cdt um but i also really want to do the at again and you know i'm not in a rush to triple crown um because i mean i will one day um but I will say in the next couple of years, um, I, I do see a, a through hike of the AT and I do see a through hike of the CDT. And I do, uh, there's a lot of little trails that I want to do little, I mean, not little, little, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I really want to do the Colorado trail. I want to do the long trail. There's a couple, there's a lot of really great ones in the Southeast, um, the Penhody trail and the Cumberland trail, and the Barnum trail. And there's just so many great trails that are just, you know, so many trails, so little time. <laughs> yes. Except for the always. Florida trail. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> where can people find you if they have questions or want to fo- follow your continuing adventures? Yeah. So I have an Instagram and my handle is at Melanie Peanut. And um, I do occasionally put a post up on the trek. I, I don't put as many uh, post on the trek as when I'm through hiking and when I'm not, but I do have like my gear lists on, on the trek and, and stuff. And like I said before, my, my gear lists have changed in between bikes. So it's, uh, it's <laughs> comical to some people to see the difference in those two gear lists. Um, but yeah, at Melanie peanut on Instagram and I'm, I'm there. And if, if you want to reach out, I'd love to Hit talk you to you. Yeah. Okay. So that brings up, I have actually have two questions um totally so gear list 
What was the biggest change or what was a couple of the biggest changes between the AT and the PCT for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so huge changes. So on the AT, get ready for this, Aaron. My base weight was 25 pounds. <laughs> um, Stress it, fracture, here we come. I know, seriously. Like People are like, how do you stress fracture? I'm like, well, uh, I didn't eat, and I had 25 pounds on my back. So <laughs> um, there's the answer. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, my mom was kind of like my gear guru. Um, you know, I was in grad school right before I did the AT, so, like, I didn't have time. I mean, I didn't make time to research and like go on blogs. So I just like kind of got what my mom told me to get and what my parents gave me because um, I was poor. And um, well, let me rephrase that. Of course, I've never had to worry about money, but I definitely was on a budget. Um, You know, I was not able to work a whole lot in grad school. And so uh, I've been asking for gear for Christmas. So it was kind of like in, in birthdays. And so whatever my parents gave me, like, this is the tent that we got you. Great. Cool. This is the pack. Great. That's what I'm taking. So I didn't, I didn't like, you know, so many people are just, they spend months researching their gear. I did not do that. It was just like, whatever I had, like off brand stuff, like all kinds of stuff. So, and then plus I had Radley. So, I mean, I had a lot of stuff to do with her. I had a REI quarter dome two person tent. I had an REI flash 58 uh, pack. And so it was just really heavy stuff and a lot of stuff I didn't need. I had two headlamps, like just in case one like broke, I guess. I don't know what I had in that pack. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause I like just recently, like within the last year or two, or, or I guess just before the PCT, I like went back to my old gear list. Cause I just wanted to see, um, and just like researching that, I'm just like, what the heck did I even have in there? Like it was, it was so much stuff. So on the PCT, I had an 8.7 pound base weight. So I told, <laughs> I don't think I had anything that was the same. I mean, anything. I, maybe my socks, I've always worn darn tough socks and I always will. But other than that, it, it totally Everything changed. changed. Everything. I mean, I went, I went totally, um, ultra light and, uh, with the help of Cricket, because he is he's a, a ultralight freak. I mean, he just knows <laughs> so much about gear, and and you know, I think one of like a misconception, in my opinion, is that when you go ultralight, it's it's expensive, and I don't like necessarily think that's true all the time. I think that it's it's great to go to backpacking gear flea market on Facebook or Reddit. Um, I mean, James has a lot of stuff or cricket has a lot of stuff from Reddit. Um, and, and we both do just like being in the right place at the right time to be like, this is a good deal. I'm going to get this MLD burn or whatever it is. So, and I like, you know, I always make the argument too, that like cricket spoon is a McFlurry spoon. So (laughs) he didn't spend a lot of money on that. (laughs) Um, No, he did not. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I did a lot more research on my gear for the PCT. I felt like it was important for my body. Um, but then also just to be, um, you know, my pack was so heavy on the AT and my gear wasn't very good. And so, yeah, I mean, and also I felt like I was supporting some, some really great companies, um, while I was on the PCT, uh, some of these smaller companies, I, I, whenever I can support a, a smaller 
a company, I try to do that. So last question mm-hmm. or last topic, tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's um, talk about your tattoo for a moment. Yeah, totally. Um, so I have a tattoo on my uh, left ribs and it is done by a woman um, in Boone, North Carolina. Her name is Cuddy Beige. And um, she's, she's someone I've admired for a really long time. And so actually what I wanted to do for my tattoo is that um, I love her art. And so I knew that whatever art she was going to put on was going to be great, but obviously I wanted to make sure that it encompassed my AT through hike. So what we did is we sat down and I went with through pictures with her that like you know, 10 or 15 pictures that I felt like really showed what my hike was and I told her stories and um, I just kind of told her what I wanted, like kind of a couple aspects. So I knew I wanted a peanut hidden somewhere in there. Um, so <laughs> she did hide a, a peanut. Um, and so you would have to go just, back and look at it again. Yeah. Um, so just like for everyone, it's a, essentially it's a, it's a tattoo of um, the Rhone Highlands in a rhododendron tunnel and then on the left side of it there is a tree trunk with a white blaze on it and in the tree trunk or in the tree she hit a peanut in like the bark of it um it's not like a straight up peanut i mean but it's a peanut shape and um, so i knew i wanted a white blaze i knew i wanted rhododendron um and something that i didn't realize until she after she had done it is she was like every single picture you showed me was the Rhone Highlands. And like, I didn't even know that. I was like, Oh, I just like went through my pictures and like put them all in a folder and showed, showed them to her. So um, that's why she chose that. And another thing I really wanted to make sure that it wasn't like pointy mountains. I wanted it to be the rolling hills of Appalachia, um, you know, that had been worn down um, by thousands and thousands of years. And so I didn't want it to look like, I wanted it to look like the Appalachians. Um, And one surprise, that I was really excited about is she did it. Um, she did a moon because I guess I had mentioned to her um, that I, in passing, I didn't even realize, but um, I started the AT on a full moon um, on that day. And then I ended on a full moon. Um, so she did a full moon nice. on, on the tattoo. So yeah, I was, uh, uh, I was a little nervous because I didn't really know what it was going to look like. And she just, she did such a wonderful job. Um, she's gotten a, quite a bit of following since the, a couple of years ago when I first got it. So I'm on the, on the waiting list for my PCT tattoo. And I hope to do, to do it kind of the same way and show her pictures and kind of um, tell her the certain aspects that I want, you know, I'd like another peanut in there and you got to have a marmot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that tattoo means a lot to me. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, she did such a great job. So it's, um, it's, it's funny. Like I always catch myself looking at it and I'm like, man, I wish I could just teleport into my tattoo. <laughs> looks awesome. It sounds like you have a, because of how it was done, it sounds like you have essentially a piece of art on your, on your ribs. Yeah. Which I, I definitely wanted. Um, I, um, have a couple other tattoos, um, but they're, they're words. Um, and so I wanted like just a really pretty scene. And so, we, and her artwork is just incredible. So yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for, for that piece of art and man, I'm ready for the PCT one, but you know, um, anybody who knows me knows I'm 
super impatient. So I just, I gotta be, I gotta be more patient. (laughs) The lessons they keep on coming. Yes. And links for Melanie's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Melanie for sharing her stories from the trails and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that this conversation has inspired you to get out there and have a few hiker trash moments of your own. And on next week's episode, I'll be talking with Poppins, known on Instagram as Marie Draws the PCT. Her illustrations have captured those quintessential through-hiking moments, and she's now turned her pen to showcasing a few other people's trail memories as well. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>